On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside episode 830 of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. My name's Matt Robinson with you in our studio, as always, in Bytown, Canada. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio, and I hope you will subscribe wherever you're listening right now. Uh, joining us on the uh, on the show today, guy who's been here a time or two, but has newly been christened a geriatric millennial from OSEG. Chris Hoffley's here. How's it going, man? You're such an asshole. You would start, you would start off with geriatric. <laughs> Despite that, it remains a pleasure to be here and uh, always a pleasure. I, I got to tell you, man, I had never heard that term before until you quote tweeted it, retweeted it, whatever, the other day. And uh, unfortunately, I fit in there too, but it was easier to throw it on you before. Uh, I'm still I'm still working through it. It's something else to talk to my therapist about when we can do that face to face um, and also the real reason we're here, happy to be joined by, uh, from your Ottawa Red Blacks, number 21, Justin Howell. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Hard to beat that intro for uh, Hoff there, but, uh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, luckily you're coming in a little behind us. You haven't quite reached geriatric millennial status. Yet, <laughs> so. Exactly. Who came up with that term? That's ridiculous. It's, it's hurtful. It's, it's very mad. Um, it's hurtful. It's offensive. It's it's the worst. The worst thing too is I I sent it to like the fam my family chat. My dad was like, "Yeah, it's about time you start to feel old, jackass." Like I was like, "All right, well, I guess I didn't find sympathy. I guess I'm not finding sympathy there." No, no, for sure. Um, I I trust Justin that uh, Hoff filled you in on uh, on what we do around here and and where we like to start. Why don't you kick us off? What are you going to be sipping on while we chat here today? Sure thing. Uh, definitely Hoff updated me, and I, I followed along to a couple episodes as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be on the show, and I've got some lovely pink lemonade bangerang here, uh, hard seltzer out of London, Ontario. So uh, that's what I'll be cracking uh, today. 
I think Hoff got the same thing. I think all three of us might be doing the same thing. Hoff, did you end up finding that one? You said that's what you were going looking I for. Didn't, I, I, I didn't get the pink lemonade in the end because I actually had still a couple cans of the mango bangerang, which is my... It's been my go-to since since Justin introduced me to this uh, this fine this fine summer weather beverage a little while back. So um, rocking a mango. I still haven't had the pink lemonade yet, um, but that's uh, that's next on the list. But mango tonight. Well, I went looking around for um, when I when I was searching for it, and and you know which uh, which beer store, which LCBO, whatever is going to have it near me. I saw there was like a, a mix pack. And it wasn't anywhere near me, so I wasn't able to do that. But I was able to get in and get, uh, yeah, I got the pink lemonade here, and I also have one of the uh, the mango um, bangerang here as well. So while I get started on this, I've never had bangerang before. I don't think I've ever had a hard seltzer before. Why don't you tell us, Justin, oh. a little bit about this? Like, what what's the scene here? What is this stuff? What do we? Uh, what should we expect? Sure. Yeah, it's uh, so hard seltzer. It's it's you almost want to think it's like. Uh it's like a flavored soda water. Um, it's got a little more flavor than your traditional, uh, I would say white claw out there, or like a vodka soda. Um, but it's a, it is a, uh, a malt based beverage. It has some, some barley in there. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's got plenty of flavor. It's not uh, too sweet. You know, it's a low, low sugar. We have one gram of sugar in there. Um, natural flavoring and stuff. So it's, Healthy, low calorie at 140 uh, per tall can, but uh, tasty. And they got four flavors now, and it's just easy to drink, easy to consume. And you know, what are and you're not just a, you're not you're not just a fan that's memorized all this information about it either. <laughs> just like well, maybe maybe some context too. Uh, you you like a lot of our a lot of our Red Blacks players over the you know the last year without football have have you know branched out and you know showed some other skills other than other than that football that football ability in different places different jobs so you you connected with this with this banger and crew and it was a, it was a it sounds like it was a pretty cool experience for you yeah no it was a it was a great time um obviously with the situation with covid and you know not being able to play football um towards the end of the summer there the season was canceled and obviously like many other players kind of stuck trying to figure out what to do, but I had a friend uh, whose father's a partner in, in Equals Brewing, who's our parent company uh, for Bangarang. And, uh, you know, I expressed interest and as soon as I saw the brand, you know, earlier that summer, I was super excited about it and kind of saw the vision for it. And then, you know, he reached out towards the end of summer once uh, the season was officially canceled and was graciously enough to offer me a job. So I started, uh, September as a regional sales uh, manager. So yeah, it was, it was different. Um, it was challenging. It was unique. Um, I had a ton of fun making a bunch of different uh, connections and relationships, but it, it was a blast and uh, definitely thankful for that opportunity. I got to say Hoff is showing his geriatric millennial age here, but <laughs> that, that tee up right there sounded a lot like Cy Sperling in the hair club for men. Not only is the, he's the president, he's also a client. Um, this is good, man. This is a little <laughs> I different. Do this for, I, I do this for a living, fellas. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> this is this is different than what I expected. I, I, I'm like I said, I've never had a hard seltzer before. This is this is the first going with the uh, with the bangerang wow. here. I think I expected it to be um, lighter, like almost more watery. Like this is clo- This is much. Um, 
I could see myself sitting down over the summer and putting a pile of these away, right? Like I, I, I always sort of steer <laughs> yeah. clear because I expected, I don't know, you know, you, like you said, you hear about you the, either. I'd had a white you claw. And I was to like, be this too is sweet. Yeah, exactly. a little bit to be too sweet yeah. or too flavorless, like yeah. it's one or the other. That's right. And I'd right. sort of heard yeah. enough people talk about white claw, and it was too light, and it was too. Uh, this is nice, man. Like this is still very beer like, right? Like I, but not quite so bloating for lack of a better see, yeah see yeah. i ran in i ran into justin at one point early and then when he had started that gig during the pandemic and chatting about it and i said hey and I, I so i introduced him to to my favorite this is the last plug i think i have for this episode <laughs> so far but um, uh my my favorite local my favorite local pub near me which is the glebe central pub which is way too close to me haven't I unfortunately haven't been able to go there in the last little bit because of the, <laughs> the the closures but i was talking to the owner blair there and i said listen you gotta get get some of this hard seltzer and for your like you know you try to attract a different kind of crowd and he said right away what the fuck is hard seltzer well that's what i was <laughs> at. i so had no had, idea i had so no idea then we had nice. that, and then, but, but he bought in fast. He's like, yeah, I'll order some, check it out. And I guess it's sold reasonably, you know, well enough that he's, he's got it in, you know, he's kept it in and it's been, uh, it, it's a new kind of, you got these old guys at a bar like that, like the regulars, they're like, I don't, I don't know about this stuff, you young, <laughs> you young whippersnappers, but like it, it's, it's tasty. No, I agree. Like it, it, it's very different than, than what I expected, but, uh, really enjoying it. And it, it does feel like something that, you know, I'm a, I'm a cottage guy right in the summer, right? You grab a few of those, get out to the dock and just, you know, it, yep. it, this is a perfect kind of summer, uh, summer deal before you got involved with these guys. Did you know much about the company or was it kind of all thrust upon you at once there? Yeah. So earlier in the, the summer, um, a, fr- a good friend of mine from Carleton, uh, her father is a, is a partner and president of, uh, equals brewing there. Mm-hmm. So she had told me about the company and then, uh, yeah, I got to try it earlier that summer and, you know, I was stoked obviously cause all the white claw, white claw buzz and, um, obviously more of my generation, younger kids love that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, when I first tasted, it, I was like, wow, like this is special, you know, especially for being, um, a malt based beverage. Like, you know, you can't taste the alcohol, it's, which is dangerous. Is and dangerous. <laughs> the flavor profile is great and it's not too overbearing, overwhelming. And, you know, it's, it's not watery and, uh, kind of diluted, like, other products. Yes. So I was fired up and then, you know, obviously when the job offer came, I, I jumped out of it. Like there was no, uh, no doubts in my mind. Yeah, It's the cool. It's been the coolest thing to see how how you guys the different players with branched in, like what your respective interests and skills are. And like, I've talked to a couple of guys that are interested kind of in my, in my world and, and, you know, later in their, you know, post playing careers in media and comms and you see guys like, like Alex Mateus doing good commercial real estate, I think. And, um, like Nolan McMillan's doing like financial advising or something like, like, it's just all, everyone's kind of, you, you know, these guys and you're like, Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Well, you know, some stuff good for you. You're like breaking down the, like the myths of football players is like just being football players. It's been, uh, it's been cool to see unfortunate circumstances, but it's, you know, the guys that, that do the best out of this make them, you know, are the ones that make the most out of the, the time off. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, and that's like the thing, right. Is at the end of the day, you know, there's, there's life after football and, um, you know, being a professional going from university to the pro level CFL where, you know, majority of your life is consumed and revolves around football. We're now, you know, with, with the pandemic, everything happening, you have to kind of take a step back and revisit those goals and long-term goals for your life and your, your career. Right. So it's been, like you said, it's been amazing to see, 
all the guys, you know, branch out and do different things uh, in the time being. If you're, so. if you're Brad Sinopoli, that mostly means fishing. <laughs> yes. Up and done Robin there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Living the good <laughs> life. He, he got back on Instagram recently, Brad, and he asked me, he's like, well, how do I, you know, I want to get verified again. I want to you know, increase the followers. I was like, well, you should probably let people know that you're a football player because you've got like 12 <laughs> pictures of you holding fish on a boat. <laughs> yeah, we have very, you know, Brad, uh, very Brad, Brad, Brad just like, yeah, but you're right. All right. No, no worries, but I'll get, to, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it eventually, like between the kid and the, and the fishing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we had Brad on the show not, uh, not too long ago, and he just seemed pretty chill right like just whatever you know and they'll call me when it's time to go back to play football until then yeah i'm i'm out at the lake fishing or canoeing or whatever might be going on there tell me a little bit about your kind of background like uh, like hoff said it is cool to see what all you guys have been up to while football hasn't been going on but obviously the circumstances around that have been pretty disappointing but before we get into any of that like you're from down in the, the Bradford area, if I'm not mistaken. How do you kind of end up, um, you know, taking off into football? There's a lot of sports, you know, options at that age, where you're going to focus your time, how you're going to get up and running. Like, how do you decide that football is the the foot forward for you? Yeah, exactly. You know, I grew up uh, just north of Toronto and Bradford. So, you know, rural Ontario. And at the time, it was probably... I'm going to say 14,000 people and my high school was pretty small compared to a lot of people I talked to, uh, and their, and their experience. But, um, yeah, I didn't start playing football until grade 10. I was actually, I played basketball, soccer, volleyball, and I was, I was in volleyball practice. It was, uh, just the beginning of the school year. And my gym teacher basically like stormed in the gym after school and was like, basically dragged me out to the field. He's like, you're coming to play football. And I was like, okay, like, I guess I'm playing football. Right. Um, and then from there, yeah, I just, I played, played a receiver and I remember my first couple of games, um, I, I did really well. And one of my other gym teachers came to watch the one game and he, uh, saw me after the game. He's like very, very humble and modest guy. Like he says very few words, but the things he does say you, you have the utmost respect for because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically just said, like, you know, you, you have a career in this. You can go play university ball, like, very to the point. And that was it. And it kind of just was in the back of my head ever since. And then, uh, yeah, it, my career kind of progressed. And I decided to go and play uh, c ball. And, uh, yeah, and I've been recruited to Carleton and had a good career there. And luckily got drafted by the Red Blacks. So, Pretty um, modest, it, modestly glossing over the Carlton career. No, I had a great time there. Um, it's it's pretty crazy to think back, and I think a lot of the guys would say this, but you don't you don't realize you got to stop and kind of reflect and appreciate the things that you've done in your life and how far you've actually come. Because you know, if I was to sit and talk to a 16-year-old me, like, they probably would believe that I'm at the position I'm at now, right? So um, just the gratitude and, you know, appreciating the little things and all those uh, memories and stuff. But, um, yeah, had a great time at all. I'll, I definitely uh, had. Oh, sorry. I definitely <laughs> had never had a coach. I definitely never had a coach confuse me for, like, the future football player, like a like a gym teacher, like, in that story, <laughs> which I think is, is great. No one ever looked at me and was like, you know what you should do? It was usually like you like moderately coordinated basketball. You're tough. Um, and that obviously didn't didn't go anywhere. But in terms of your background, too, you again, you're glossing over things. But talking about coming from from Bradford. Um, carrots, 
Can we talk about carrots for a minute? <laughs> Absolutely, uh, grilling. Because when I go- when I Google your hometown <laughs> and your name, the first yep. the first thing that comes up is like a you you with a picture of like with a mayor, and it, the headline is hometown CFL star returns to Bradford for carrot fest. And I know <laughs> we've talked about this before, and I you uh, told me about it a couple years ago. I was like, you should say carrot fest. Carrot All right. fest. So, wow. So, but like, it's, it's a big deal and I love carrots. So please tell us more about <laughs> carrots and your hometown. When we can look forward to the carrot bangerang. Yeah, yes, exactly. I don't know how that would turn out, but I, I feel like it'd be a hit with uh, I don't, I don't certain want to I don't want to hijack your show. I don't want to hijack your show, Matt, but I feel like we need to learn more about carrots. We absolutely so should just, hear about carrot fest. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, so Bradford West Glowenberry is the full name. So uh, every summer, it's towards the end of August, there's called care fest um so basically they say we're the care capital of canada um i think it's something like uh, a third or two-thirds of uh, canada's carrots actually come from uh bradford <laughs> uh, but we have very very rich soil organic soil in what's called the marsh um so it's a man-made marsh going back 150 years i believe but uh really really good crops as far as potatoes onions carrots the whole shebang you name it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of the pride of, uh, the town and has stuck ever since, but yeah, everyone gets together and did much of street events and, and vendors and, uh, the re- live wrestlers come in and a uh, big street party and, you know, lots of beer going around and all that. So it's a, it's a, it's a really good time, but yeah, luckily enough, my first year, uh, with the red blocks, it happened to be bye week and, you know, sure enough, carrot fest was, uh, that weekend that I had off. So I went home and, you know, they honored me um, with a certificate of achievement from the town. And, uh, the carrot to the city. <laughs> exactly. The carrot to the city. Exactly. <laughs> and then uh, actually I had a lady come up. It was super strange, but I, to this day, people ask, what's the weirdest thing, you know, you've, you've signed for someone or a fan. And a lady came up, she had nothing, but she's like, Hey, can you sign my like this bag of carrots for me? And I was like, <laughs> sure. Like, you know, and of course, like I was in the paper, like uh, front page and whatever. So, uh, yeah, it was a really, really good memory. It was funny. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the background of, of Bradford. And, you know, it's Gwilly the Carrots that is our mascot. So it's kind of like a, a pride thing. That uh, all I can pick it's literally the most wholesome. It's the most wholesome thing a town can be known for, pretty much. It's, it's so. Like ever, like right. people don't like carrots, and it's just like, hey, we provide Canada with carrots. Like, what, <laughs> what, what's not to like? Um, what happens when you get to to Carlton? How long into your stay or your your time at Carlton, where you're playing, do, before you kind of come to realize, like, okay, not only was my gym teacher right, I can make a go of this at the university level, but I might have a shot to be a pro here and and maybe get drafted and and make some money playing this game. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it was always so when I, I remember I went on my recruiting visit uh, to Carleton and uh, I had a few schools that were kind of top of my list. And then I, I finally uh, decided to come and visit Ottawa Nation's Capital and check out the campus. And um, I, I went for a campus tour with Sean Hall, my, my DB coach there. Um, and, you know, we just had a great conversation about life and football and goals and stuff. And I remember telling him, like, hey, like, you know, like, I want to play, he asked me straight up and I said, I want to play pro, you know, I want to play CFL and I'll like wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't hesitate for a second was like, okay, let's get it done. Like, you know, like he, I could tell like genuinely he believed in me right. and that I had that ability. Um, so from right then and there, I was kind of like 
man, I, I really need to come and, uh, you know, get down to this, this school and, and work with these coaches because they have a future for me, like a vision and they believe in me. Um, but I, I didn't really, I would say, think about it too much. Like it was always there. And like, you know, you knew in your fourth year, uh, things would come up and there's going to be scouts and everything. But it wasn't until uh, my end of my junior year where I didn't get an East West invite. I actually missed the majority of that season. Uh, there was an off field incident. Um, we had a party after uh, UFT game. We, we absolutely crushed them like always, <laughs> of course. Um, but yeah. long story short, yeah, I got in some, there was a bit of a, a scuffle there and I ended up getting a concussion and having to miss, miss time for something not even related to football. So that was pretty devastating. Yeah. And um yeah it was kind of like I, I took a month and a bit off from training and everything and then uh, i sat down in the office with with coach samara there which you know we, we became closer and closer over the years and uh you know he just straight up was like hey like how are we going to get you to the next level right and i didn't even think at the time like that was on his radar like that's what he thought of me you know mm-hmm. um and i was like absolutely like i definitely want to do that and you know, we kind of just laid out a plan and what we had to had to do to get that done because I had obviously missed out on an East-West invite and I was pretty sour about that. And, um, you know, he's like, likely it's going to be a regional combine and um, you got to get some good tape next year and then perform there and go from there. So really it was that that uh, off-season, my third year going my fourth year where I was like, you know what, I'm going to make this my priority. I really want to do this and... Um, let's make it happen. And You're definitely not the first the first guide from Carlton to to credit <laughs> Coach Samara for stuff like that. Steve is is one of those guys that has that reputation for kind of calling it as it is with guys. And if he you know exactly. he sees something in you, he's gonna he's you know he's he's had a great great career for that reason. Like he, when he sees something in you, he's he's gonna push you to push you to sort your shit out and get to what he what he sees as your potential. And that's uh, I mean when you're a young guy with a coach like that, that's that's what you need. Exactly. And those are, those are the best, in my opinion, the best university college level coaches. And they're so good at what they do. And it's, it's always for some guys, it's always down the road where you look back, you're like, wow, like, you know, they, they really cared about me. They had my best interest at heart. Like they, they really genuinely want to see you succeed and, you know, not just as a player, but as a person, as a young man. So, well, cause you're, um, when you're in it, when you're in it, you're probably like, Oh, this guy's riding me again. But, pressure like you know whatever like, exactly right like yeah. in, in hindsight you're like man that's exactly what i needed that exactly that yeah. time and and look at me look where it got exactly at what point do you switch like you mentioned when you were uh getting hauled out again whether it be against your will or or not to to first start football you're you're mm-hmm. doing it as a receiver at what point do you switch sides of the ball is that after being drafted is that at carlton at what point do you end up on the defensive side of the ball yeah, that was actually, um, so I was in my, I came back to do a victory lap. So our school was like huge in rugby. Um, I also had some credits to finish up and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do right. um, academically because earlier on in my, my um, education, my school career, like I, I was really good in school, but when I wanted to, you know, I, my attention wasn't there. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was a bright kid, but 
I just didn't want to apply myself. Sure. I, I could, I'd rather go down and play some ball hockey, shoot hoops, whatever, you know, like, same, same here. <laughs> you know the, king, like the king of not living up to his potential <laughs> unless he was interested. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, you know, it just it happened to be that way. And, uh, yeah, so I took a victory lap and then I was like, you know, I really do love football. And I played OMFL this summer before that um, for Tottenham Express. And I also played competitive soccer and up to this point. So I kind of split my focus yeah. where I'd go to like one or two practice a week for football and I would be at soccer games during the week and on the weekend. And then I'd go down to, let's say, Tobacco and play a game on Sunday for, for Tottenham. But I kind of just got to that point where I was like, hey, you know what? I need to pursue this and actually give, you know, hundred percent effort into this and see where it goes. And then I went to do a, uh, a camp in Toronto, uh, basically like an all-star team that went down to Virginia every year, uh, to play fourth union Academy. And, um, yeah, we went down there and I had a lot of interest, a lot of D one schools there and, um, a lot of good talks with some schools down there and, I had decided before this, like when we went to practice leading up to this, I was like, you know what? I think my best option is to, you know, play defense and play on the defense side of the ball, play DB. Part of that, part of that is from uh, Tyron Matthew, watching him at LSU kind of inspired me. Um, I remember sophomore years watching and I was just amazed at the things this guy would do on the defensive side of the ball and how he could impact the game. And that kind of like uh, motivated me, I want to say, to, to become a defensive player and become a DB. So, yeah, I just made that decision to switch over. And, um, yeah, it really worked out for me. And then I got recruited to Banyan. So, why do, why do DBs always seem like they're having the most fun out of any, anybody like <laughs> practice games? Like, it's just like, even when I'm out at the practice, like hanging out, taking pictures or, or just yeah, watching, like yeah. the, the DBs, like it's always, it's always the most fun by like a concern. I'm probably gonna get my ass kicked by the O-line at some point for saying that. <laughs> um, it, it really is like, you guys are always just like, you're like the vibe is always there. The energy's high. Right. Like guys are like, guys are just like, it's, it's always going. I th- honestly, I, I equate it to a goalie in uh, hockey, right? or soccer they're always like the weird <laughs> kind of fun person whatever but back where it's like as a db like at some point you're gonna get beat but you gotta be you gotta be relaxed you gotta be chill you gotta have fun like you can't be uptight all the time like just enjoy what you're doing like it's gonna happen you gotta be able to shake it off and how you respond to that is ultimately def- like what defines you right so and you're gonna have um, a monster play at some point too. Like you, you might get beat, but exactly. you might have like you know the game say the game winning pick <laughs> six, and like it's exactly. You know, there's so many emotion emotional fluctuations in that position. Exactly. So it's it's you know that just comes the, with the territory of the position. But uh, yeah, we just have fun. I, I miss all those guys, and that's probably that one of the things I miss the most is just being around those guys and having fun. So you get into uh, you got any you know, Panda game experiences you might want to share or what that situation was like. You get any games against uh, Ottawa U? I, I'm trying to remember the exact dates when those have been played. I'm sure you would have seen time in one or two of them. Oh, heck yeah. Uh, <laughs> for the record, for all the U Ottawa alumni out there, I'm sorry, but I am 5-0 and against U Ottawa yeah, in my wow. career. <laughs> and I'll take that to the grave. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've won uh, four Panda games in a row against nice. them. And yeah. then... Uh, one playoff game so but yeah that was by far the 
the best experience in terms of uh, football in my career at, at university, just such a special game and the way that that game evolved over the years, starting with, you know, Nate's Hail Mary in 2014 in my first year and how that all came together. And it was really like, you couldn't have wrote, written a better script for how, you know, Ottawa football has evolved in the last, you know, six, seven, almost a decade now. Right. Yeah. Um, it's some of the, the best following. football. It's some of the most exciting football you're ever going to see when you're playing in the big stadium with that much energy, right. with that much crazy drunken, you know. Well, that, and maybe I should clarify for the average listener, yeah, right? In, yeah. in case you're from outside Ottawa, the the Panda game is Ottawa U versus Carlton, right? So the crosstown rivalry for those who are unfamiliar. And there was a time where football wasn't that popular in Ottawa, and as as you said, it kind of has built itself back up over the last decade or so. And that game has become important and the red blacks returning has, you know, helped put football back on the map here. But that game has become something that mm-hmm. like, you don't miss like people, it, people get right into it again. Right. It, it, it's come a long way. And from an ops, an ops point of view, like my experience with the Panda game is a mix of like joy when the game happens and terror in the planning because you don't know, like we're always trying to figure out like, hey, the school swap sides year to year and you're always trying to figure out the best way to make sure that no one like jumps off a high railing if their team wins. And like, and it's like, it's it's, ter- it's terrifying. Like our, you know, we'll yeah. pour one out right now for our cleaning, like the cleaners and like oh, the cleaning stuff God. after that. Like it's, like red blacks games on you know on steroids it's but it's it's so worth it but everyone has a blast and you see like the red blacks guys like i know i know justin you're always there like in in year and in recent years when the when the game happens and all the alumni guns i think you you got stuck wearing gilly's gg's jersey a couple years ago like the bets the the bets we have in the the bets the guys have in the room and so like that stuff that pride like the ottawa carlton pride is, is 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 ridiculous and it's uh it's, it's a huge thing, like, for the alum, whether you're playing and for us, like, hosting it is massive. So those are the things, like, I, I miss that so much right now with the yeah. not having sports. Like, those are the, that place just blows the roof off what we don't have a oh, roof. It, it's absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Like, thinking back, I remember, like, going, you know, like, as an alumni, like, being on the red blocks and, like, kind of seeing it, like, 2019 was probably my first year that I genuinely, I went with the alumni, like, had a good time, got way too in the bag, you know, like I had just a phenomenal time as it should be. Right. Mm-hmm. And kind of seeing it for what it was. And the fact that we kind of got not blown out, but it wasn't close towards the end. And you Ottawa fans stormed the field. Right. <laughs> and then reflecting on that, where, you know, Panda 2014, where Nate cashed the Hail Mary, we, you know, our fans stormed the field the following year you know, double overtime, our fans don't the field. Our third year, we won handedly. You know, our, our fans, regardless, storm the field from yeah. then. So it just, seeing that and it, how it's become a tradition now, or regardless, the winning team, that it's just inevitable. Do you, it, it's do you special, remember, right? I, do you remember, I think it was, I don't know, it, was, it must have been the last one that we had, but like I, I was running around trying to find one of you guys, one of you alum guys, to do like a TV interview. Oh yeah, and that I was think, me. And I, <laughs> yeah, I found you. And you're like, I don't like. I think you may have even had two pot. Like you had a couple of drinks, and you're like, I don't know. I'm like, you look fine. You can do it. Yeah. You know, don't don't fall, don't fall over while you're. <laughs> Great. Oh yeah, I don't think I ever heard. Yeah, he was with uh, TSN or someone. But yeah, uh, it was one of those TSN I remember getting up in the booth, like, and I was go. like, oh. 
absolutely crap. Like, like, oh yeah, it was TSN. You know? like, it's not. It's not on. It's not it on. Might have been me it's or, fine. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> your age. I forget yeah. who it was, but yeah. I was just like fired up, and yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it a, it's, a, it's an experience it's, it an experience. Shit, it's experience. a whole experience yeah exactly it's, it's the best as we start to move from your university days into going pro and, and pretend hoff's not here and i do that a lot when when hoff's on i try and pretend <laughs> he's not here is there a part of you that's like i'd really i think it'd be cool to go back home or be closer to home and maybe get drafted by the Argos or I'm kind of set here in Ottawa. I've really enjoyed my time at Carlton. It'd be cool to end up with the Red Blacks. Um, you know, the Eskimos, the Rough Riders have like these legendary fan bases and are kind of these mm-hmm. pillars of the league. Is there any, any part of you that's sort of hoping you might land in, in one place over another or is it just kind of this general, yeah, I'd just really like to get in and, and get a shot at this? You watch yourself here, Hal. <laughs> uh, no, it was, it was honestly, it was Ottawa, um, 100%. I was, I remember I went to my first CFL game. Uh, I think it was my first year at Carleton, but 2014. I remember walking up on the north side, the, the concourse there. And, uh, we were just a little late, maybe like five minutes late for the game, and we'd scored a touchdown. And before we even got to our seats, we were going up the stairs and the, the place just erupted yeah. and I was like, what? Like that's a CFL game. Like I could not believe it. And obviously, you know, had a good time at some pints that night. And just the experience was amazing. Right. But I fell in love with the city of Ottawa prior to this, obviously going to Carlton and everything. So um, I remember going back to my draft night, just hoping that Ottawa would pick me, but I didn't think it would actually happen. You know, obviously you get caught up in mock drafts and this and that sure. I was projected to go much earlier and Ottawa, I remember didn't have picks from like fourth round or the sixth round or whatever. And a couple of the other teams that were interested in me, um, had passed on me and I was like, Oh, okay. Like maybe, you know, it'll happen. And then sure enough, like seventh round. And then I get the phone call and my name go, go up on the screen. It was just like surreal kind of that whole night of just sitting around waiting and kind of being devastated and disappointed that I went so late and then to finally get that phone call and actually be Ottawa, it was like, it was meant to be right. Right. So, um, yeah, Ottawa was definitely my number one uh, out of the gate. So couldn't have asked for any better. It's super exciting for us too. Like as a team, when you, when you have draft day and you start, you see who like, you know, you draft guys, you're projecting guys, you're, you know, looking at guys' backgrounds. And when you see a guy like, like Justin get drafted. I mean, it's, it's easy storylines. It's a local, you know, guy that did his university here, guy that's had a ton of success here. Um, coming for the team that, you know, you knew he was happy to join. It was like, those are the stories that you're just like, yeah, this will work. This will work very, <laughs> very nicely. <laughs> this just fits. This is, fits what we're going for in the atmosphere of the, of the red lights. I let the scouts worry about all like the talent and the like, football <laughs> ability. And I'm just like, you know, <laughs> as long as he's a half decent football player, everything else lines up here. Right. So that that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, if you could tell us a little bit about, you know, still being a young guy and and still like having a lot of time out in front of you, but a couple years behind you now in the pro game, what is this last sort of year and a little bit been like in terms of, you know, I, I'm sure like everybody else when the pandemic sort of set in you there's a lot more questions than answers 
it sort of goes up and down through the summer. Maybe we'll play. Maybe there'll be a bubble. Maybe we won't. Um, you know, as as that season is progressing and the summer's kind of fading away, what is that like for you as an athlete trying to, and, and even just mentally, right? Like trying to be ready, but also focused on, you know, what I might have to do instead of this. Like what's this last year been like for you? Yeah, no, it was... Uh devastating to say the least um i'm i'm definitely a happy go lucky optimistic person like uh very chill congratulations so like that's, that's been pounded out of you me know. over the last year no no what, what, what he's gonna say what he's gonna say is that he's not anymore let him put it <laughs> not quite geriatric yet so uh. <laughs> god damn it two for two i had to get it in there yeah, of course to. um but no like it was i remember just training and and going through the summer and there was still hope there um but in the back of my mind i was like oh it's not gonna happen you know what i mean but Mm -hmm. um finally hearing the decision at the end of august like you know that we weren't gonna play that was definitely crushing and and devastating uh, to say the least and i just remember like being really upset and sad frustrated because i felt like you know, as you're getting to a point in your career where you feel, you know, comfortable with being a pro now and you're, you're caught up and, you know, mentally, physically, you know what to expect. Um, and you feel like you're ready to take the next step in your career. And almost like, you know, the rug pulled from under you. Yeah. It was definitely devastating for sure. Um, but, you know, quickly you kind of change that mindset and uh, it, it really made you focus on other aspects of your life and, you know, what you want to do post football and, and really have those honest conversations with yourself. So, um, as, as bad as, you know, the pandemic has been and, and, you know, thankfully and gratefully, like I, I know I'm, I'm blessed to not have directly been affected by it. I mean, my family members, myself, um, but it's definitely been quite the learning experience and I've grown a lot from it. And I, I do still consider it a blessing, right? Because I've been able to see, um, you know, kind of what I want to do post football and, and be able to grow as a person, as a man. So, um, yeah, it, it was challenging, but also rewarding at the same time. Which, and, and you must've real, you must've felt that like, like as, as much as anyone too, just like you were coming off a year, like the season obviously overall wasn't, wasn't great, but like you, you got mm-hmm. some, some some real opportunities there like whether it was through injury or your play or a combination of both obviously like you got some chances that you know a young guy like you fought for and then you got and you really kind of get into that like like you were looking like a comfortable you know starting cfl or at a certain point did you feel that way yeah ex- that's exactly it because i i felt like you know and that's the reason why i resigned with ottawa um you know i was in my head and when i talked to my agent as well um, you know, I want to resign another year, um, get another year in Ottawa. I want to be able to compete, you know, for a starting job. And I felt like I was ready for that. Um, you know, and mentally, physically, I, I felt great. And, you know, like I said, to feel like you're in a primary career, you're ready for to take that step and, you know, it's get taken away. Um, it's crushing for sure. Um, but you also got to look at the silver linings and, um, the other side of things. So, yeah. Before I before I let Matt take control of the show back, um, I want to I, I just want to ask you about special teams because you're 
you're a guy that like works his ass off on teams and has since he came to the league. And that's pretty like for a young guy coming into the CFL, you have to, you have to buy into that because it's a big part of, you know, becoming a starter and getting, and making your name known. But how much have you, have you learned about yourself as a player and, and like playing that role and working for a guy like coach dice um, and just kind of like learning the ropes of the CFL coming, coming through it that way. And not, you know, like not being, not that we have any of those guys on our team, but you hear about that, you know, guys that don't want to be on special teams, guys that want, you know, or just in a hurry to get off it, guys that maybe you're dogging it a little bit. Like you're definitely not one of those guys. Right. And, and that's exactly it. Like, I mean, coach Dice just makes it so like, he's such an easy uh, coach to play for because he's a player's coach. He's there for his guys, but um, at the same time, he'll hold you accountable. You know, like <laughs> he's, he's have, definitely true. Have, have you ever heard dice on the sideline? If it's not, if you're not doing what yeah. you want, so hold yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I can think, you know, like maybe only a couple of times, but I can think of a couple of times, you know, in my career where, yeah, I've got chewed out by, by dice and rightfully so, but there was a level of respect there. And like, we could go after and you know, have a great conversation and talk about, you know, what transpired and it's all love and respect there. And those, you know, are the coaches that you want to play for. You want to uh, go to bat for and, you know, really run through a wall for like, that's, those are the coaches that are going to get the most of their players. Um, and thinking back to even my draft uh, interview with Ottawa. And I remember to this day, like coach Dice asked me straight up. He's like, you know, um, you, you've been a starter your whole university career. Um, obviously the pros, it, it's a lot tougher and how, like, how are you going to feel or adjust to being, um, a teamer? Right. And I, I told him, I was like, Hey, I've always been, you know, the player to, to play wherever I'm asked, whether it's, you know, corner safety, halfback, whatever asking me, um, obviously it's going to be adjustments to be tough, but I'm willing to do that. And that's kind of, that's a promise. You know, I told him that. And I'm a man of my word, right? So in the back of my head as well, like working and playing for dice, I got to keep that promise because, you know, he asked me that in faith, like, hey, you know, is this something you're actually going to be okay with, right? And, so, he, and he said it. He's one of those guys that you, like, he's just, like, dice is one of the best guys you'll meet in the game. And he's also one of the scariest he's pissed off at you. <laughs> and, but, like, in a, exactly. in, a, in, a, in a way that you're in learning a good way. something, which is always the thing yeah. that's, that's interesting with him. Like, you learn, like, He's like he Dice has given me shit when I've talked to you guys like be, like before you're totally done stretching at the end when getting the media stuff. He's like, I don't interrupt you when you're doing media stuff. Don't interrupt <laughs> me. I'm like, I, it will never happen again, coach. I promise. Um, but he's he's also one of those guys where like he's <clears> on the <throat> side. Like I've never seen a guy like scream at the ref in such like <laughs> like in, but in such like a like a creative like alliterative way. And like he's made himself <laughs> laugh before. He'll like he'll, like let go of this stream or whatever. And he'll look at like, his eye and be like. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't even know what that was. But he's like, he's just dying. Like he's like, he he, he loves the game, and he loves when his players love the game like he does. Exactly. Yeah. He, honestly, he's hilarious. Like by far one of the best coaches I've, I've played for. Just it's honestly a pleasure to play for him. And uh, you could, you know, you see that translate on game day in our in our specials. We take a lot of pride in what we do, and and that starts with dice, right? So, um, yeah, exactly. And the big thing for for me personally is like he's accountable, right? As a coach, that's what you always want out of a mentor of a, um, you know, whether it's, it's a boss or, or a captain or, or a leader or someone, you always want that accountability, right? That's, you know, he epitomizes that where, 
you know, if he's wrong, he'll, he'll say it. Right. Even if he <laughs> rings you out in the middle of practice, <laughs> a game, whatever, yeah, yeah. if he's wrong, he looks to the film and whatever, come to the conclusion, he'll let you know that and pull you aside. And, and that's, you know, I think what people respect the most uh, from Coach Dice is, you know, his integrity and his accountability. So, so you referenced there, a, you know, a minute or two ago that, you know, that was why you had re-signed in Ottawa and you had re-upped uh, for the 2020 season. It gets wiped out. You re-up again for 2021. And, you know, as we sit here right now in the middle of May, we still don't know for sure what's going to happen. The league had come forward with a return to play plan f- starting in August for a reduced season. I think that got all of us pretty excited. Um but pretty soon after the wind kind of gets taken out of the sails by a couple of different provincial governments at this point, sort of just in terms of them saying, yeah, we think we could probably get them back to playing, but we don't know about fans in the stands and the league is kind of held firm on, we need fans in the stands to make this, um, work without, you know, I I don't want to put you in a tough spot in terms of criticizing anybody, but you know, as we're this close to when you'd probably have to report again, right? If we're going to get going in August, we're not that far off from, you know, some sort of training camp and getting up and going. Where is your head at at this point? You know, physical prep, all these sorts of things. Like, do you feel like you're in a good place? Should the phone call come in a week or two and say, yeah, we're going to have a season, let's go? Or are you still kind of feeling a little maybe jerked around a bit by the league? Don't say you're feeling jerked around. Yeah. Load, loaded question, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of leading me there, right? Yeah, well. <laughs> no, no. Um, I mean, they, they've recently they've been more transparent, and yes. I think guys are definitely uh, aware of the situation and what's going to happen because um, we have dates now, and, and that's really as players. That's all we ask for give us what you're planning, you know, kind of laid on the table and, um, you know, we, so we can work around that. Cause like, I think back to when this all started, yeah, I was devastated for myself, but you know, at the time I'm only 27 years old, I'm caring for just myself. Right. And I think about my teammates, my colleagues, you know, that have a wife, have a family, have kids, yeah. have a mortgage. Right. Like that's so, so many of the guys had babies in the last two years too. It was ridiculous. So like a lot of them now. Yeah, exactly. But at this point right now, I'm, I'm definitely confident that it'll happen. And from what, you know, the league has communicated with us. Um, I think something's, I think a season is going to happen to the extent exactly how they've laid it out so far. I don't know. Um, but mentally and physically I'm definitely prepared and, and ready to go. Like, it's, I think it's going to happen, but again, the big, the big thing right so. now, the big thing right now is that for, at least for me in my, in my, in my world, it's the first time where I've really felt like the projected, you know, the start date that is, you know, early August is, mm-hmm. is I'm optimistic about it. Like I, I haven't felt that way throughout this process where you're just watching the COVID numbers go up and the, yeah. you know, I see numbers go up. This is the first time where I feel like, Vaccine numbers the are going up. The, va- the vaccine numbers, the vaccine numbers are going. The right up. numbers. Yeah. Yeah. I see the ICU and hospital numbers have stayed pretty steady, and they're starting to creep down. Right. Um, right. Those numbers are the ones that are that are really key, and so I think this. You know, you're talking about an early August start. You're talking about kind of a mid July ish training camp. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we've got time still, and it's if it keeps training in the right direction. I think there's a this is like 
we you have to put a date you have to work towards something but this mm -hmm. is i feel like the first time where there's a date that we're all kind of the league and the teams are really confident will happen or it'll be close to that and it's something that's that's workable and not it's not a pie in the sky kind of thing at this point it's like this is what we're planning yeah. for this yeah. is what seems like it's realistic this is you know we can't control what the the provincial health authorities are going to say we're going to listen to you but we can't control it so you have right. to kind of plan accordingly mm -hmm. and then we have a bajillion contingencies and that's a real number i didn't realize until i made all these plans a bajillion but there's a bajillion of them. <laughs> okay, and cool. right. um so like it's it's planning 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 and you you just like no, nobody really can control it in the in, in our universe so you just right you, you hope for the best but now we're at a point where like the best case that we have ever planning for seems like it's going to be an early august start and that's you know God damn, that would be really good to get going on right now. <laughs> I want to get to, you know, before we wrap this up, I want to ask your opinion on uh, on the Stanley Cup playoffs starting up here in a few minutes. But one of the things that I've I've noticed as I've watched some of the hockey in the empty arenas here, especially in the North Division, is I mm. wonder in terms of adrenaline, in terms of, um, you know, is it harder to get right into a game and and really crush, like even as the hitter instead of the hitty, is it harder to crush someone into the boards knowing this is going to hurt and there's not going to be 20,000 people to give me that instant adrenaline rush, that cheer, or that boo, or that feedback? I wonder if we end up in a situation, and I know it's not what they're hoping for, but we don't know yet what numbers are going to look like. What do you think football looks like in a crowdless bubble if we have to do that? Is does it hurt more to run head, you know, head on? You're going to hear, you're going to hear a lot more profanity. No doubt about that. that <laughs> but like, as you run full on into another human being and there isn't a stadium full of people to kind of, you know, it still hurts, but gives you that, you know, adrenaline rush of everybody getting exciting, excited and exploding. Like, have you noticed that if as you've watched other sports and, and do you think it, it changes at all? the way a game might be played should you have to do it in front of, you know, not a full building. This is definitely something I've thought about, um, you know, since the bubbles and everything else was proposed and, you know, not having fans and whatnot. Um, and obviously seeing the NHL and how, how they've carried things out and leading to the playoffs now. Um, I, I mean, at first it's, I think it's going to be an adjustment for sure. Um, but just like the NHL and those guys, I think once you get into it and, you know, you're competing and it's live that it doesn't matter, like the competitive juice and take over, um, that that's all going to take the forefront. Right. And yeah, it's, it's not going to, you know, when you're selling and whatever, after, whatever <laughs> you're, you're just going to hear me, you're just going to hear me screaming <laughs> yeah. from the sidelines. Exactly. You saw that with hockey too, right? Like it was kind of dull and like lacked an mm -hmm. edge early on, but they've kind of figured it out. Yes. Like it was, it ended right. up being a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Exactly. But even, but even like, and that's like watching, you know, Washington, uh, the other night as well, like play. And then yesterday with, with Tampa and Florida, was and I'm watching this game. <laughs> oh my, like I, I was watching, I was like, this is the best hockey I've ever seen in my life. Yes. You know, like it, that's, that's yeah, all I could think. It but felt that way. Like, and, hmm. and so, yeah. But frankly, you like know? at the end of the day, like a, like an empty Toronto, you know, Toronto arena versus a full one, that sounds about the same, right? 
even a cloud. Why don't you just settle down over there? <laughs> <laughs> it's time for your pills well, and geriatric. <laughs> yeah, no, but then I was like thinking, right? And I'm like, is that, you know, am I thinking this is an amazing game and whatever? Obviously, there's physical and whatever, but is it because we've been so deprived of right. that live atmosphere and like that entertainment value or? Are these guys generally out there crushing each other? Right. And, I spent a surprising you know. amount of time watching fan controlled <laughs> football because of that. <laughs> I'm on Twitch. Oh, I, don't know Twi- I don't even know what Twitch is. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is a, there, there's Johnny Manziel. Okay, this is a thing. All right. And we're done. Sure. Yeah. But that's how much I miss. That's how much I miss live sports right now. Yeah, it just felt like a little bit. And, you know, you use that Panthers lightning game from Sunday night as an example. <laughs> and it, it, it was a physical game, and and I think they had I think it was something like nine thousand fans in the building. I think they were allowed fifty percent capacity, and it yeah. made all the difference in comparison to what we've been watching up here in empty arenas. And I just wonder, you know, how that translates into the athletes, and can you fight through more if there's a full crowd backing you, or once the game's fired up, regardless of the sport you know, the whistle goes, I got a job to do. And, you know, you just find a way to do it. I, you know, I'll, I'll be fascinated to kind of see what that's going to look like. I've kind of been dreading almost this Leafs Hab series starting on Thursday back in empty buildings, mm-hmm. right? Like after seeing yeah. some of these American crowds, um, get back out. I'm not suggesting our arenas should be open yet. I'm just saying it's different. That's all. <laughs> Tread lightly there. Yeah, plus, no. Plus, plus, plus the Habs are going to win in six. Oh, what? Are you still here? Honestly? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why was I supposed yeah. to hang up? I don't <laughs> what do you like? Guns are long gone. Right. So you know. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you think this is a, um, you know, do you, th- how long do you think it would take to get used to it? Or is it just like, yeah, no, it turns out this is going to be largely bubbled. And, you know, as soon as kickoff, you know, happens, we're off and running. And and do you anticipate it taking a while to get used to? Or is it just that that, that routine kicks in, that focus kicks in, and you just do your thing? Uh, I think I think certain parts, um, I, it's definitely a bit of both. But, you know, just thinking back, like you had certain, obviously in Canada it's different, but certain university games where there's little to no crowd, sure. you know, there might be family members and, and, you know, a couple of students, whatever there. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, you still played the game That's as true. it should yeah, be, right? Really like, on your path trying to win the it. game. Yep. Right. Thinking of high school and whatnot. And at the day, like you're playing for the win, like the love of the game and, and to win. Right. So I think it definitely is a pro. It, it, it's a bit of an adjustment, but it's, I think it's really for only those, um, you know, those micro um, cosms like within the game where the, you know, the crowd gets you fired up and, you know, yeah. the other, you know, offense can't hear themselves, you know, trying to communicate, the quarterback trying to communicate a play, communicate a play, sorry, and, you know, they can't, you can barely hear them. And right. We're all fired up. It's second and long, right? Like, sure. That's definitely plays a part in some aspect, but I think at the end of the day, guys are trying to win. And the competitive juice are going to overtake that. You know, it's just football. I think it's just so we're just going to bring it. We're going to bring all of the players' families into the stadium. Just to, <laughs> so that's all you can hear. Like <laughs> Justin's family. I mean, we love you. Oh god! Go, go. I, I think half of our nation's probably met my grandfather uh, <laughs> really from Vancouver. So 
Um, I apologize to any of our nation members out there. He means well. No, you love that. Uh, You love the families that get all into it, man. He he loves to make friends. He's a newfie, so. uh, Okay, that's I don't blame him. Yeah, it, Dom Davis had a Dom Davis had a friend at a game one like once that one of his best buddies and my dad and it's you know sixty year old friend ended up running into him at craft he was by himself so he ended up hanging out with my dad and his buddies for the whole game awesome <laughs> and then That's came amazing. down to see and then came down on the field and Dom came out like off the like come out to see people afterwards was like who the hell are these people I'm like oh that's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think it's just hard for some of us mortal humans to envision running head on into another human being and then just like getting up and continuing with our day, right? Like it's, it's not a normal thing. And I think, I think I might feel better about it if 20,000 people cheered me for doing it. I might be able to get up and pretend I'm okay, <laughs> but to just do it like out here in the parking lot behind my condo, I think it's going to be rough, right? So uh, tell us a little bit, you know, I, I know you're a sports guy. I know you got your eye on a lot of things. Um, I know you're ready for the Stanley cup playoffs. I know you're a Leafs guy. We can, uh, kind of punt Hoff out of the way here for a minute or two. What do you see Gladly. in this? Yeah. What do you see in this Leafs Habs matchup, man? And uh, you know, the, the Leafs finished like 20 points ahead of Montreal, but they mm-hmm. got price. That always is, that'll make me a little nervous anytime. Uh, how do you see that series kind of playing out? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm definitely confident um, that that will get the job done. But like you said, I mean, price is the X factor. And when that guy gets hot, like it's clearly and obviously frustrating for a team, especially uh, a team like the Leafs who are so high powered um, in the offensive zone. And, right. um, you know, they're used to getting their way. So uh, that, that definitely makes me nervous. But I, I think, and I'm, looking back at, you know, Tampa, Florida, and then Boston, Washington, the physicality there where I don't feel that same um, fear out of, out of Montreal, no. if that makes sense. No. The, the combination of the physicality and the, and the skill set. Um, I, I think we're going to be okay. I don't think it's going to be a rollover by any means. I think Montreal is a great team um, up and down, but uh, they're going to compete. That's, uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> but... It's, I, I guess, I don't know, it's the it's the PTSD of being a Leafs fan. That's it, man. Always that creeping like, doubt. The Leafs, it's I, been I decades since they were this much of a <laughs> like, favorite, and you're just like, no, yeah. no, I don't believe it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, I remember sitting on top of the mailbox, like, oh, maybe 05, you know, like, with, with a sign, goalie go before, you know, Stanley Cup playoffs, right. and Ty Domi, and, and Darcy Tucker, yes, and Matt Sandin, yes. like, you know what I mean, like, against <laughs> Philly, like, all those... Right. Oh, that was garbage. Like, <laughs> you know how Moses, you know how Justin, you know how Moses Madu comments with a trash can to everything. Trash. This is like trash. everything is everything is trash to Mo. So like this in my mind right now, I'm putting uh, a, like a trash uh, emoji on this whole. Yeah. You know what? In all honesty, it's not like I'm conditioned to hate Elise, but like I don't even have a reason mm-hmm. to anymore because all the players that I hated back then aren't even there anymore. So like I, right. I respect this. I think this series, like I, I was, I was a Habs fan way back. I'm obviously a Habs fan now. And frankly, if this had been an 82 game season, I think we would have made the playoffs and <laughs> taken either of you. So, oh, um, I'm, but just delusional. But it's going to be like a series, like an original six series like this. Like I live for this in yeah. hockey. So like, I just like, it's such a good like for, for the Leafs. I think like, like if uh, Jack Campbell comes in and like keeps doing what he did, 
that's you know that's huge but is he gonna right. to me it strikes me as like the andrew hammond in ottawa like yeah, this guy that goes on a, like a yeah. like a crazy <laughs> run but like it's hard as a young goalie it's hard as a young goalie yeah. in the playoffs but like the habs like the habs you never know what fucking team you're gonna get right like it's like yeah that's you true. can you can price standing on his head with the guys gallagher getting everyone whipped to do a frenzy like those but that's you know that's a different that's so you, a game changer. You go right but. to Andrew Hammond and skip Jordan Bennington, right? Another guy with no playoff experience. <laughs> yeah, he goes right that, to the that's cop. True. Right? That's, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you know it doesn't. I mean that that's wild. Like that just doesn't oh, that doesn't happen. Like yeah. that's that's lightning. Right. That's lightning in a bottle. But which is what you need to get to that. I d- I just think Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell just has to be okay. He does like the team's yeah, good enough. He exactly. doesn't have to be a killer. He's just got to be fine, right? He's just got to be mm-hmm. average, and they'll be okay. And I think he can do that. Uh, I am a little scared that Carey Price does what <laughs> Price does, but exactly. But that's it. They got to find twenty four to Carey Spezza. Price. I'm a big. I'm a big Spezza oh, fan too. Like Spezza. I always, we all. I always now, was, <laughs> and I and like he's yeah. he's. But I know, but like even with the Leafs, like I can still cheer for Spezza. Like he's just. He's one of those guys that, like, he grinded through a lot of shit in Ottawa and has mm-hmm. somehow had insane longevity. So, like, guys like that, I'm sure for players now, like, I'm sure for Craig Anderson in Washington. Sure. He's old oh, and, yeah. Like, I thought know, he was doing retired. That thing and, yeah, he basically was. He was on a taxi, he was I was on a taxi so squad confused. in 39. There was a yeah, tweet. I was so confused. There was a great tweet on Sunday night or Saturday night when he came in uh, from Steve Dangle and he put, Okay, everybody, <laughs> raise your hands if you're just learning now that Craig Anderson plays for the Capitals. And the best response was Nicole Anderson, his wife, underneath with the hand up emoji. <laughs> <laughs> they were great, and they were like, they're such it's, like people that yeah. people love. Like they they were loved in the city, both like as a couple, like they were involved in tons sure. of charity. And I, I like the good, I like the good people, like Mark Stone in Vegas, like one of the best players in the league, but still probably isn't recognized mm. as such. Just. You know, I, I like that. I like I love the playoffs, but I still hate the stupid leagues. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was fired up for Anderson, like seeing that. But like I said, I, I had no idea he was still in the league. No. But <laughs> just such a good guy. Like not being a Sens fan, I did go to the playoffs. Uh, what twenty seventeen? Yep. Uh, game five, I want to say it was. Okay, I think against uh, the Rangers, um, and Sens ended up winning an OT. That was amazing. By far the best hockey game I've been to live. That was the last the time. I've, that's the last time I've been live <laughs> like that. Like in that in that yeah. barn too. But seeing a guy that kind of you know really was a heart and soul of a franchise, yeah, over so many years, and and you know getting that opportunity now in the playoffs, it, it's you want to root for someone like that. So, but then you're but then you're also rooting for. Shithead like Tom Wilson. I'm like, I'm so conflicted right now. I hate you <laughs> that so was much. The drag I see Anderson when I come. Yeah. Like, it's like, ah, oh, it's because I because I hate uh, the I Bruins, love Tommy. Right? Oh no, really? Eh? Tom Wilson yeah. guy. I I will say I will say I will say this. The whole thing. This is the like, most the controversial thing, thing that's ever, been said on this whole podcast. The Panarin <laughs> thing. The Panarin <laughs> the controversy over his body slam on Panarin was the most overblown thing in the world. Oh yeah, and. And nobody talks about that if it's any other player. That was like it wasn't a yeah, game. It wasn't exactly. any other player. It was Tom Wilson. So that's the right. Whole and he's and I know, but like you can't suspend a guy for ten games because he's a like was dirty. You know, he often is. Like yeah, he, like sure that was can. not the worst play you've seen. I've seen worse plays in the last three games yeah. of playoffs. Like it's just not. <laughs> My thing is, I, I still don't like him. He's done some gross stuff, but you still want him on your. T- I, I you still want him on your. T- <laughs> Exactly. Like he shoots himself in the foot and like I defended a lot of stuff he's done in the past, 
Um, that one I was on the fence on. I didn't think it was the right play at all, but um, he, again, he's a guy where if he's on the Leafs, guys, you know, our fan base is fired up. Yeah, we love Darcy Tucker, right? So, right, I, exactly. I, right? I was fine and, with the thing where Panarin jumped on him. He kind of threw him off. It was the second shot. I'm like, all right, yeah. you know who this is now. Yeah, like, chill yeah. out. Absolutely, right? like, absolutely. Um, so that's no, that's interesting though. I, I, oh, like, can we have another episode to not talk about just Dar- Darcy Tucker? When I think. <laughs> We still got the jersey in the closet. Yeah, no, you won't be here, Hoff, for that episode. This it'll be a, <laughs> it'll be a love in for sure. I got a there was Please. a um I went to so my uncle took uh, me and and my cousin to see a Leaf game. He got invited like somehow to Nord, one of these like underneath the stands luxury boxes at the Air Canada Center to see a Leafs game, and the the whole pull is you're going to get to meet Darcy Tucker. He's going to be like the host in your box. And you're like, oh, awesome. So we get there before the game. There's no Darcy anywhere. Like, we can't find him. And my cousin and I are really the hardcore fans. And, and my uncle... Like, was, he turtle- was he turtling under the table? Uh-huh. So <laughs> just hold on, because you'll enjoy this. Come on. So we're hanging out in the, the box before the game starts. We're having a beer or two, and there's no sign of, of Darcy. And, at you know, at the anthems are going or whatever, like it's time to come out from the box and, and go up and, and into our seats or like the fourth row or whatever. Like I said, I have no idea how we ended up with these seats. So the, the little hallway there under the stands is jammed and we can't get out of our boxes. Everybody's trying to get. So finally my uncle who's in front of my cousin and I gets fed up and the next person who comes along, he like buries his forearm into his chest. And he's like, no, we're going next. And it's Darcy Tucker. <laughs> so my uncle throws this Jeez. forearm shiver <laughs> cuts off Tucker and heads out me and my cousin recognize that it's Tucker and we like back up pretend we don't know my uncle right like who's that asshole <laughs> right? like, and Tucker's like who's this look, guy yeah and Tucker's like kind of looking at us saying hello and then looking at this guy like I, I might kill this guy <laughs> ah, we just stayed back and hung out with him for a little bit so we end up up in the seats afterwards sitting beside uh, my uncle and about 10 minutes later Tucker comes up to join us and I was like, oh, look, there he is. I'm like, yeah, he might be here to kick your ass. You don't know it yet. You didn't <laughs> recognize him, but he may be about to run your show, right? He's going to invite Jeez. you outside or you'll never be seen <laughs> Exactly. Man. At least it's not Domi, right? No, exactly, because you'll never make that uh, that guy's that, yeah. big that video, scene that video The Philly Domi. fan. Yes. The Domi, yeah, the Domi and the penalty. In the box. Video, yeah. like, Hilarious, the man. Yeah. The story's great, though. Like, I don't know if you guys know the background yeah, yeah. afterwards, like, just an amazing story. Like only, I don't know. Only they, Hockey, they, like they, <laughs> they, they, like they connected afterwards, right? Like they still yeah, know each yeah, other, or something like that. Yeah, like was, that. yeah, uh, yeah. Iron today, amazing. And I, I still just remember Harry Neal yelling on the broadcast. Think of the lawsuits, Ty. <laughs> like, don't do <laughs> that's it. Right, that's right up there with Milbury hitting the guy with the shoe <laughs> the and shoe? stuff. Like it's yeah. just uh, it's yeah. such a good, especially like, in such especially good in the states. That's yeah. Like, <laughs> oh man. Nope. I'm good. Yeah. No. Um, this has been awesome, guys. Really appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, Justin, when it's safe to do so, we can get you in studio to do one of these and uh we'll have a couple pints and, and shoot the shit and see what's going on when we have a real season to talk about. 
Hopefully, love that. Leafs, it's been a hopefully lots of Leafs talk next time. It's no. like a train. Yeah, we can leave Hoff out of it. All, yeah, yeah no, <laughs> all Leafs talk. That's, that's all it'll be. Uh, tell us a little more, man. One more kind of shout out where people can uh, can find the Bangarang if they want to check this out for themselves. Because I'm into my second one here. I'm into the Mango one now. And uh, again, like this is something that during the summer, especially, you could crush <laughs> Good quite stuff. a few. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're extremely dangerous. Um, like yeah. I said earlier, but uh, they're at the beer store, uh, most beer stores because they're malt based uh, beverage. But um, yeah, same same all same points as as like a White Claw or vodka soda, low calorie, low carb, low sugar. Um, but yeah, most beer stores you just go on beerstore.ca, type in Bangarang, it'll show you all the stores near you that uh, that have our our product. Hoff, you geriatric millennial. As always, <laughs> you bastard! You, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> we always appreciate you setting these up, man. Um, always a pleasure, my friend. Appreciate it. And uh, Justin, thanks so much for making some time, man. Really appreciate it. Hope uh, hope we get a season going. Hope we get to watch you real soon. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Go Leafs, go! Yes, yeah. abs and six, abs and six. Oh, Jesus. Who invited this guy? That's talking audio for another week. Uh, like I said, this is episode eight thirty. Uh, make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening right now, and you can follow us on any social media feed at Tall Can Audio. And we will see you all on the next one. It is over. Now that's a tasty beverage. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.